Welcome to the Sarah and Sally show. Before you dive in and listen to this interview, we're delighted to let you know that we've got a series of books coming out. We've got art, hip hop, music, and we've also got a new Blag book, volume four, number one. Check it out at www.blagmagazine.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Take 341. Welcome to the Sarah and Sally show. This week, we have a very special guest. Do we? We do. <laughs> the, this guest is a legend, a legend, a guitar legend, a rock legend. You'll know who it is. It's slash the title. It's just fun for us to do these kind of intros. It's though. nice to do it's an like intro. a little drum roll. Um, you're gonna roll. you're gonna hear some really fun things. Um, this interview, by the way, was done just over ten years ago, and it was recorded for it to be written as a written story, which most of the ones that we're rolling out are. Yeah, true. And um, they um, there's no popper stoppers. No popper stoppers. You're gonna get some white not the white noise of Soho London, and you're gonna get bracelets of a rock star. Clinks of teacups. Clinks of teacups and um, a slight background noise of a small, slightly intimidating audience. <laughs> and a small, intimidating air conditioning unit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you're going to hear about Slash's debut solo album, his thoughts on Dave Grohl. You're going to hear about his encounters with Lemmy and Iggy Pop and Jay-Z. And encounters? Else? Yeah, there is an encounter yeah. with Jay-Z. There is. And also... A question that I wouldn't normally kind of push to get an answer for, but I just had this, I visualised the answer and I, so I just really wanted to get the answer of the question, which is about a movie. So this is, that's kind of our intro, I think. It kind of goes back to what we were saying last episode, where you have to create your questions with a viewpoint of what, how they're actually going to answer, but sometimes they take you down a scenic route, which is really great. And we love that when it happens. Yeah, we do. This is yeah. This is really fun. There's sometimes all... you don't. Even, you, you sometimes, from my personal perspective, I can start to ask a question and just completely like screw it up. But they <laughs> understand it in some way and give me an excellent answer. So yeah, that happens too. <laughs> um, it's life. I was going to say something else, but I didn't know what you were going to say. So this is a perfect example. So Sally's explaining things. I'm sitting here not knowing what's going to be said next. We'd like to give you a world exclusive and breakdown that there is no such thing as telepathy between this, this set of twins. It's true. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's it for our intro for the day, do you reckon? Yeah, we think, I think you should sit back and relax and yeah. enjoy this one. There's some really good advice in it too. We, we always seem to get some really good advice from the legends. I mean, why not? So listen in, enjoy it, and thank you very much for joining us. Okay, ready? Uh-huh. So I didn't want to go over like loads of old ground and ask you loads of your background. So I'm to try and do something. Yes, please. So I want you to, because um, you've had like, your life's almost like a movie, isn't it? Um, I, I suppose, <laughs> I never thought of it like really? that. Really? I suppose, I wrote a book and the people wanted to make a movie out of it. Okay. So, it's possible. 
Okay, so my question was, if your life was made into a film, who do you choose to write, direct and star in it? That's the first question. Oh, fuck. Um, fuck, I have no clue. That's a good first question. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I can't really think of myself in those terms. You know, I would hate, yeah. the, I would hate the idea of someone yeah. trying to make a movie of me. So it's hard for me to entertain the idea two minutes without drawing a blank. So, for argument's sake, if it was made, can oh, you tell I, me three I aspects? I Tarantino could do it. That would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. You know, he could write it, too. Yeah. And then, but I, I, I couldn't imagine who could star it. It's probably some amazing unknown actor, isn't it? I yeah. can't think of anyone. Because when I wrote the question, I was like, I don't yeah, know I how I'd answer I, it. And it would be really out of my character to be able to really nail down, because I'd have to have an image of myself. Yeah, no. So, if it happened, I want you to tell us about three epic points. So my heartbeat? No. Yeah. <laughs> three epic points. One was, um, what scene would have everybody on the edge of their seat? What scene would have everybody, anybody grabbing tissues? And what scene would have people laughing their heads off? <laughs> so, it's basically for you to tell me anecdotes about yourself. Right. In a I kind mean, of roundabout way. I would way. suppose the edge of the seat stuff would be just about any, I don't know, um, I, I, you know, overdoses and stuff. Maybe when I was racing bikes and I was probably a hellraiser when I was like, you know, 13, 14, 15, you know, towing, to, uh, grabbing onto cars and going over Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles, which is this big, massive hill. 20 of us all racing traffic, you know, that probably would have been a real nail biter. Um, as far as tears are concerned, um, this, this is way too, too introspective for me. Is it? We won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the new album. Mm. <laughs> so does it feel really kind of strange that you've had so many years in the business and now you've got your official debut solo? Is mm -hmm. there any kind of pressure attached to it? No, there's no pressure attached to it. It's actually more of a relief. Yeah. Um, I think I, having been in groups ever since I was 15 years old and then uh, navigating through so many groups over all these years, I finally got to that point where I was like, I really need to do something on my own. And, and having the ability to do that was, was very liberating. Yeah. So it didn't feel like pressure at all. That's good. That's really cool. It was almost the exact opposite. Yeah, it was very sort of a, a welcome thing. Yeah. Can we talk about the guests? I went to pick up Dave, because I know him, because cool. he's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, you know, Dave is uh, one of these guys that I've known a pretty long time. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, because he's probably one of the biggest rock and roll bands of this era. Yeah. And he he is uh, what I would consider a rock star of this time. He's probably the most, um, he's the one rock star that makes a great role model. He's very easygoing. He, he doesn't have any, doesn't have any airs or anything about him. And he loves what he does. He's not wasted fucking on smash. And he writes great songs, and he's got a great band. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think anybody who is an aspiring rock star should look to him as a role model. He's fucking classic. But I like David a lot. He's a phenomenal songwriter, and he's an even more phenomenal drummer. Brilliant. Yeah. Is there anyone else that you'd and pick up? go to the same school. Oh, cool. That's how I wrote wow. to him to do this record in the first place. That's cool. Yeah. His, yeah my school called... My, this, his daughter just started going there, and 
the school called me up and they were doing this annual fundraising and, and they asked me if I would play and I put together a little band for it. And I, have, I feel very awkward around the school because mm. from the long years of when I was a kid, so I'm having to, to adapt to all this bullshit. Anyway, but I, you know, I, I don't mind doing it. And he said, well, Dave, you know, can you get Dave to, to do it too? And I said, well, why do you ask me? He said, no, you know him better. You know? So I called him up. We, we text a lot. So I texted him and got him down there. I said, I've got this song. You know? And I actually wanted him to sing on it, but he wouldn't sing because he feels uncomfortable out of his little sort of comfort zone. Yeah. Singing on his own stuff and doing his thing. So he was just doing the Crooked Vultures at the time. And uh, just really hot drumming. So I turned the song into an instrumental and kind of turned it on. Oh, cool. Brilliant. Probably more information than you needed. No, I like it. I love hearing stories about Dave. Is there anyone else that you pick out? It'd be really cool if there's like a really interesting story attached to any of the studio experiences, maybe that you didn't expect. Well, I mean, the, 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 the most rock and roll uh, story I have that goes along with this record, um, well, one of them is I, I got, for the first time in my whole career, to be able to be the guy to have to order the Jack Daniels and Coke for one of the artists, which was, you know, something I always had done for me. Yeah. And that was for Lenny, which was just a huge honor for me. Um, this is the, the one time that I had really realized that I was the boss because I had to do all the fucking legwork and all the yeah. hands-on shit. But anyway, um, working with Iggy Pop, uh, I, you know, I, I called him up and I said, I've got this song, blah, blah, blah. And I sent it to him and a couple of days later he calls me up and he goes, Slash, he goes, check this out. And he, uh, you know, takes the phone, puts it down on the table, and I hear him walk across the room. And he put the CD in the, it had to have been like an old school stereo or boombox or something. And he sticks the CD in, and then I can tell it's at the top of this piece of equipment's peak volume. And, and there I hear the, in the background the, the demo that I sent him, but it's cranked up and it's distorted and it's really loud. And this is all over my cell phone. And, uh, and then I just, you know, the intro comes in, and then at the first verse, I just hear him screaming at the top of his lungs, <laughs> and he sang the entire song, um, and that was his demo, and then when it was over, he clicked off the machine, I hear him walk back across the floor, pick up the phone, what do you think? And that was that was how we sort of uh, put that song together. Oh, brilliant. That was pretty cool. A very old school rock and roll moment. Yeah. When he came down to the studio, you know, he was the first guy that I had physically come in and, and sing and track, you know, and uh, he came in and he just sort of belted it out, we did like maybe three takes, and it was very iggy, it didn't really need any work, and uh, and I thought if I, for, you know, if it should ever be any more, or what was it, what was the way I was thinking, it should never be any more complicated, any of the sessions that we do for the rest of this record, so it sort of set the pace for the whole album, and Wayne Kramer came down and hung out while we were doing it, Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and it was just a very Detroit moment. Brilliant. Are you playing with Jay-Z at Wireless? Am I going to, well, we're both playing, but oh. am I going to get up there and play yeah. with Jay-Z? What would I do? <laughs> play guitar? <laughs> I saw, you know, there's no guitar in Jay-Z's music. I saw He'll get some, though. He'll TV put some in. I know him. I've never thought to play with him, but uh, I saw a documentary on his tour on, yeah. on TV last night, which was pretty cool. I read a quote with you about the fact that you're most proud of being really genuine. Mm -hmm. I read a quote with you about the fact that you're most proud of being really genuine. That's bullshit. No. Is it? Were um, you lying? No, I'm kidding. I never, I never heard, I don't remember ever saying that. Really? Yeah. It's here. Yeah. What I'm most proud of is that I'm genuine. I've never been some fly-by-night joke that who that could be wanted to be a rock star. That could be a fourth generation by the time you got it. Let's see if how true it is. 
no, I've always, I, mean, I like this quote, and I just think uh, if you I, like I, that. I like it decently. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think he's being pretty sort of down to earth and not being sort of full of shit. And yeah. A lot of bells and whistles and hoops to jump to. Yeah. And it said also said that you really admire people who love what they do to a point where they just stop nothing to yeah, make sure that happens. Good. I'm oh, good. I'm glad about that. So, and also that you're really optimistic. I try to be. Yeah. I mean, I, well, it's sort of a it's sort of a dichotomy. I'm very optimistic, and although I'm always prepared for the worst. Yeah. So, That's probably the best way to be. So, um, what do you think are the keys that and the elements that keep you inspired with fresh ideas? Um, I think the. the um, that's a good question. Because I, I really, really love what I, what I do, and I, I seem to enjoy it more as, as as time goes by, and find more stuff to do with it, and have uh, um, sort of points that I want to get to, and, and sort of enjoy the journey to get there. Um, and I think that's probably what keeps me keeps me going, you know. And, and uh, I'm one of the few guys that's been doing this, at least out of my peers, has been doing this this long. That's not sort of complaining and bittering. So, if you've set yourself up to be kind of prepared for the worst, then that always makes you more ready to make that not happen as well, doesn't it? I hadn't really gotten to the point of being that analytical about it. Didn't you? Probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't dwell on stuff that much. Don't you? You don't really think about this stuff until someone interviews you. Yeah, I just got all this from reading interviews with you. Yeah. Maybe it's the way it was worded. Yeah, that's the other thing. I don't read anything that I actually do, so I make a point of not Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk with you about age, because I think it's something we've noticed that doing this new issue is that a lot of artists are getting signed at an older age, and people are breaking into film at an older age. Like it's really acceptable to start a career in your late twenties and thirties. And I know it's on your album that M Shadow is like the youngest guy, isn't he? Yeah, I guess. And this is probably too analytical as well. <laughs> How there's loads and loads of pressure about aging, but then it's also become really acceptable to be older. No one's I actually time. have noticed that there, yeah. there, there, well, there's this there's this obsession with age where everything's got to be young. Yeah. But I have noticed that lately there is uh, an acceptance um, and almost respectability about yeah. being older, which I think is actually pretty cool because I don't think that you really um, have reached a point of, of experience until you get old enough. And so the things that you say are limited until you get to be at a certain yeah. place where you really have a better grasp on things. So I, I think being a little bit older is a little cooler. But really? shit, I'm going to be 45 this year, so that's going to be <laughs> I was trying to think of something funny to I didn't have anything to run out, can you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to speak with you about fame. I read another quote where you said that some people get famous and then all they want to do afterwards is hang out in bars and get recognised. That's very true. I, I live in LA. Yeah, so. I want to see like a guide to fame etiquette with you so you can kind of guide people who might be on their way up. And things like that. But I've got one more question before that. Is All that right. okay? All right. Well, let's do the one more question. <laughs> we'll get to it. 
Okay, so you're in a situation where you've been famous for most of your career. And then when you kind of first came out, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't mass media. There was the radio and there was live shows. And now you can become famous in such a short amount of time, can't you? Lady Gaga is an example where eight months later she's just being put next to yeah Madonna. And I just wondered just how it's changed for you and how you sort of... Because you're talking about being on Twitter all the time and you can speak to people that way and... Did you notice a, a big jump, or is it just something that you just kind of blended in I, with? I think, I think uh, for me personally, I mean, I didn't do any of this sort of um, the social networking, and I didn't use a computer, and I, I just sort of shunned all that stuff for the longest time. I didn't get a cell phone until like 2001. So I, I really almost uh, consciously ignored it. And then at some point around 2000, 2004, 2005, you know, like, started using the internet, uh, emailing, shit like that. And then recently I started using like Facebook and MySpace and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And I actually think it's really cool, but you know, it's it's an interesting thing because once you go down that path, everybody's hanging out there. Yeah. So your exposure level is, is dramatically increased. Um, so I think, you know, in a way it's, it's good. If we'd had that back in say the 80s, it might've been, um, in, I mean, if we'd had Twitter back in the in the 80s when all the hair bands were out, it would have been over the fucking top. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, a, a cool sort of marketing tool. And it's also, for me, it's actually the coolest thing about it is that you can have an interaction with your audience yeah. that you didn't have before. Do and you think, because before it was kind of, do you think there was a real kind of us and them thing? There's a, a huge, yeah. a vast separation, like yeah. a, a valley between your reality and what the perception of your fans yeah. or people who are least interested. Um, and you have like press releases, which are very cold, um, magazine interviews, which are always, you're always misrepresented, or for the most part misrepresented, and all that kind of stuff. And, and people used to think that there was a sort of mystique in that, and I can, which I can appreciate, but with, with uh, this sort of, sort of social circus that we've got with the internet, you can talk to people in real time, and I think there is a, a, a much better connection so that it's a little bit more personable. Yeah. And I still think it maintains a mystique because there's something about this sort of cy cyber connection that really makes it sort of weird. You know, like I, I run into Twitter people on the street and go, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, ooh. It's <laughs> Don't follow me in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think it even builds up more of a mystique because people start to use their imaginations a lot more. Yeah. I could be wrong. I think no, I think you're right. So my um, question is about I got fame. off the actual point of your question. I like the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could dish out some tips for people who are just becoming famous yeah, and how to handle it and navigate it. I mean, you don't do much about this, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was frowning because I didn't hear, and then I registered. TV yeah. And yeah. And it's something, something that they're striving for, and you can't really knock it if that's what they want to do. Mm. From where I come from. It was, you know, years and years of work and whatever, trying to hone in on your craft to, to get to the point where you appreciate it by mass of people. So this, this other way of thinking is just uh, a sign of the times. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's a lot of kids' dreams to be famous and sort of be in lights, and this, but it was usually also sort of toting some particular talent, you know? Mm. Um, so now it's different. Now you can get on TV for pretty much not knowing how to do anything. I don't know if I really appreciate it that much, but it is what it is. That's it. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Okay.
that was Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed that interview. You can now treasure it in book form, digital or print via www.blagmagazine.com.